0: This morning I am starting a two-week sermon, um, and uh, no, 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 not a two-year sermon, uh, a two-week sermon, and and I'm talking about uh, worship. And this morning, um, this morning's message is about why we worship. And I'll tell you now that next week's message uh, is about how we worship. And and, and I want you to hear me very clearly because I'm going to talk specifically and I'm going to talk about why you worship, why I worship, how it is that you worship or how I worship. But I'm going to try to be pretty intentional this morning and next week to talk not just about you, but to talk about why we worship. And how we as God's people, as a congregation of followers of Jesus, how we worship. And, and so I'm going to focus not just on your individual life, but our congregational life. I'm going to focus not just on you and you um, uh, worshiping or praising in your own life, but how we as a church, as new community, involve ourselves in worship because as much as worship is an individual act and an individual gesture worship is the work and the lifestyle of God's people worship is what God's gathered people the community of followers of Jesus when we look at God and when we look at Jesus when we see the holy spirit God working among us God working in the world it is how we see that work we see God and how we respond. To worship, if if, if if it is not just what you do, it is what we do. And I want to be very clear from the beginning that if you walk away hearing me say too much about you and your life, you've probably misheard me or I've miscommunicated. So, so let me say very clearly that there's this both and nature to what we'll talk about this week and next week. You have a responsibility in your life that is directly connected to us and our responsibility, but I'm going to try to pull you to to bring you, to invite you to see yourself in relation to the people of God, the congregation of God. And if there is a job for us as the church this morning, if there's a job for us as God's people throughout our lives, it is to ask this question, how do we join all of creation in doing what all creation does? If there is a question this morning that I want you to sit with, if there's a question that I want you to hold over the next week or two, it is, is your voice going to be one of the voices that joins the chorus of God's world in worship? So as I start, um, I want to talk just a second or two about what I mean by worship. Worship is a biblical word. It is an English word. It is a simple word. It, it, it means to, to express value. It means to uh, label something as worthy. It means um, to, to ascribe worth to. It's a label. It's, it's, it's how we talk about someone or something. And in the Old Testament, when we see examples of worship, worship looks like bowing down. It looks like laying... Prostrate, Laying prostrate is stretching yourself out and being on the floor. So your face is down, you are down. In the Old Testament, over and over, the language for worship is language about the body. It is language about your body's posture in relationship to someone else. Now, in the Old Testament, and you, some of you will know this, and some of you will know this because our church has talked about worship. Worship is not restricted to what we do for God, but human beings. Beings Worship other human beings. Military leaders are worshipped in the Bible. Um, Political leaders, royal leaders are worshipped in the Bible. And so when we start looking at scripture, right away we see that worship is not something that we do just for God. Worship is something we do for each other. And if there is a small point to be made there, it is that we worship God, some of us, but others of us, the overwhelming majority of people who have been created by God, have an easier time worshiping what God has made than we do worshiping the God who makes. And so for us this morning as a church, we need to think about what it means for us And we need to respond to what it means for us to see God and to worship God. When Paul talks about creation, worshiping creation, he calls it idolatry. You have heard that word, some of you, idolatry. Worshiping what has been made as if it is the maker. That's the foundational sin, that terrible sin of giving something called worship to anything other than God. So this morning, we're going to look at one of uh, the songs in Scripture. We're going to look at Israel's hymn book. We're going to look at Psalm 104. And so if you have your Bibles turned there, Uh, my version is the New Living Translation. That's my preferred version for study and for reading. And so if you don't have that version, don't read your version. Uh, no, uh, uh, you, you can. I'm going to ask you to read together uh, halfway through this musical number, but I'll read the first few verses and then you can look up uh, to the screen when I give you the cue and keep reading. So Psalm 104 is where uh, we will where we'll sit for the next few minutes. This is what the musician says. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Oh, Lord, my God, how great you are. You are robed with honor and majesty. You are dressed in a robe of light. You stretch out the starry curtain of the heavens. You lay out the rafters of your home in the rain clouds. You make the clouds your chariot. You ride upon the wings of the wind. The winds are your messengers. Flames of fire are your servants. You placed the world on its foundation so it would never be moved. You clothed the earth with floods of water, water that covered even the mountains. At your command, the water fled. At the sound of your thunder, it hurried away. Mountains rose and valleys sank to the levels you decreed. Then you set a firm boundary over for the seas, so they would never again cover the earth. You make springs pour water into the ravines, so streams gush down from the mountains. They provide water for all the animals, and the wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds nest beside the streams and sing among the branches of the trees. You send rain on the mountains from your heavenly home, and you fill the earth with the fruit of your labor. You cause grass to grow. For the livestock and plants for people to use. You allow them to produce food from the earth. Wine to make them glad. Olive oil to soothe their skin. And bread to give them strength. The trees of the Lord are well cared for. The cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There, the birds make their nests. The storks make their homes in the cypresses. High in the mountains live the wild goats and the rocks form a refuge for the hyraxes. You made the moon to mark the seasons and the sun knows when to set. You send the darkness and it becomes night when all the forest animals prowl about. Then the young lions roar for their prey stalking the food provided by God. Get ready to read. At dawn they slink back into their dens to rest. You read. This is the word of God for us. Um, I'm going to make three points this morning. The first thing that I want to talk to you about is something that um, we all have. I, I want to say to you that we all have inside us something called a to-do list. And uh, there there is an interior to-do list in every human being. And on that to-do list uh, is not uh, you uh, getting that coveted position at your job, even though that position would be nice to have. On that to-do list is not you um, uh, finally uh, appealing to that person who has your heart, who has captured your interest, even though you've been interested for weeks or months or maybe years and you haven't quite found the way to approach him or her. On that to-do list is not you getting the best salary amongst your graduating class even though that salary would give you the opportunity to get a lot of things. All of us come with, are born with an internal to-do list, and maybe there are other things on that list, but I think one of the most, if not the most, basic item on that inside list is to give. I think that God has created each one of us to give. Now, eventually, that gets to the truth that we all are created to worship. Now, I'm going to move from this idea that we're created to give to this idea that we are created to worship. Inside our hearts is this is this is this God given uh, gift. To give. Now, that means that if, and if it is true, if you and I are made to give, if you and I are made to, to give God worship or to give things away, that means that when we give, in a way, we are embodying godliness. So, <clears throat> think this morning about the last time you gave someone something, about the last time you gave someone something at your job the last time you gave someone your attention, your time, you gave someone money, you gave someone a gift. I want to suggest to you that that's very holy and that that's godliness being embodied and I want to suggest to you that God gave you the ability to give, the ability to be generous so that you could give God worship. If you aren't good at giving, If you aren't used to giving, if you aren't comfortable with giving, you will not be good at worship. You will not be comfortable with worship. You will never be used to worship because worship is you giving God homage, praise, glory, thanks. And so a part of every conversation about worship is a conversation about generosity. A part of every conversation about worship is a conversation about compliance when you and I worship, we comply, we obey. Sometimes we comply with the worship leader. So Steve is up this morning. If it's Steve or Anna, Jillian, Sandra, if it's Andy, we comply with worship leaders. So a part of what we do as God's people is we lift our hands. When somebody says, lift your hands, we do what somebody tells us to do. A part of us is complying with what we are expected to do because we showed up for church. We didn't come for the sermon. We came for the songs to, so we might as well sing because everybody else is singing. It's just what you do. We're complying. We're conforming. We're doing what everybody does. That's a part of worship, but there's something that's a bit more interesting and a bit deeper than that. When we worship, we we are complying with that internal to-do list. We are complying with what God has placed in us. It is what the theologian and pastor John Calvin called, complying with the seed of religion divinely sown in all. It is you complying with God's seed in you. Um, It is you complying with what is in you. It is us as a people of God doing what God has placed in us to do. God's print, God's hand. When I was preparing for this message, I thought about something that Reverend Barbara said, uh, to a small group at Hampton University. My first semester in college, we were in a small group and he started talking about the fingerprint. And he said, when you touch something or when you touch someone, your fingerprint makes, uh, a unique impression on them. Your fingerprint is unique to you. Your fingerprint is an identifying marker for you and you alone. So that when you touch something, when you reach something, You are identifying yourself on what you touch. And and I thought about that because in some ways, God creating us to worship is an indicator of God's fingerprint being on us. When God creates a congregation, a local church, God's hand being on that church is a fingerprint. God's handprint on us as a people is God identifying us, leaving the image of God and the likeness of God on us... So that we can in one way or another look like God, respond like God, act like God, do what God has called us to do. And a part of God's print, that groove that God leaves on a congregation is to worship. God God gives us the ability to, because he has touched us or printed us, to comply with what God has made us to be. And that is a worshiping people. And so in some ways, we worship because God has touched us and handled us. We worship because God has pressed an image on us as a church church. And as a church, that's all we do. We worship because that's what we are. We worship because we are a people who worship. Imagine being or not being able to do what you were created to do. Imagine, uh, imagine not being able to do why you feel God has placed you on this earth. And I know we can talk about many things. Uh, for the reason for being. Some preachers talk about individual purposes and God giving you a purpose. And there's a mission for your life, which is all right and true. There's a vocation for your life individually. And if you don't live that, if you don't embody that, if you don't chase after that, then you aren't doing what God has placed you here to do. And in some ways, I'm talking about worship in the same way with respect to the people of God. So that if we do not worship, we are disobeying God giving. Us a purpose for the church. If we do not respond to God, we as a church, even our individual lives, we're living lives of poverty of the extreme sort. We are living, if you can call it living, without an enriched life because we're not living into the print of God, the image of God, the groove that God has placed on our heads. To worship, to be what we were created to be. We don't we don't use a lawnmower to do a vacuum cleaner's job. We we use lawnmowers for lawns, for grass, we use vacuums to suck up dust and dirt. And and in the same way, church, you and I were made as worshipers to worship. So that if we try not to worship, we are vacuum cleaners on our lawn. Being created to worship is a conversation about being created to give God honor or homage. But being created to worship is also being created to express feelings to God. When when God creates us, God creates us with feelings. And feelings is tricky because feelings aren't always right. They aren't always true. They mislead us on the one hand. But on the other hand, God has given us emotions. God has given us feelings. And when we talk about being created to worship, or when I talk about being created for this, in some ways, I am talking about you and I being created simply to uh, express Feelings. And, and one feeling that we express when we worship is joy. And, and joy is different from happiness. Joy is that joy is that peace that is not quite peace, but it feels like peace. Joy is, is that contentment that isn't quite contentment, but it's a part of contentment. It is, it is, what, you, it is what anchors you when everything else in your life is chaotic. Joy is is the resident feeling of the believer who has life. And we worship God. We were created for this. um, And being created to worship is being created to uh, experience life. It's it's being created to, to experience the joy of God. my wife said to me the other day um, that, that it feels like we're, we're going through this patch in, in our life and she said to me it feels like everything is happening at once. She um, and, and, and so we both understand what that means and so, so that you can kind of understand that and then I'll get to this, this point Um. You know how when you live, uh, life happens, problems happen, situations go from bad to worse, and you know you get stressed, work doesn't quite work, family goes nuts and crazy, things start happening. Well, that's sort of sort of part of this conversation that my wife is bringing up. And there's sickness in our family, there's death in the family, there's there's, there's this crazy stuff, and she says to me that it feels like everything is happening all at once. And and the only thing in her life, in our life, in your life, if you understand what I mean, that, that enables you to give anything like worship is something called joy. It is is what sits in you when everything else spins in you. Does that make sense? It It is the sometimes feeling, sometimes knowledge that there is something stronger in your life. And for the Christian, for the follower of Jesus, that something stronger is God who created who redeemed us, who sustains us. And when we join the church, the body of Christ, the community of God, the the role of the church, the the church is created to express that God is stronger than our situations, that God is stronger than our junk, than our trials, than our trauma. And so we were were created for... uh, Worship Created for worship. Psalm 33, uh, the 33rd verse of this psalm that we read, the, the writer is, well, he's opening by saying, let all that I am praise the Lord. Oh, Lord, my God, how great you are. Are. That language means something to the people of God, especially when as a church or as a people we don't understand or, or we see great problems. When, when we say, God, our situations and our lives are great, but God, you are greater. Let all that I am praise God. I don't feel like that point is very clear. Um, So, let's move to the next one. Um, Worship is a response to God. This psalm that we read has... Um, about 30 verses that say nothing about the human experience, say nothing about what the psalmist himself is going through. It is just about God and God's work, God and God's creation. And, and when, when we say something about God in a worship service, we are responding to God. I used to say in the church, or they used to say in the church when I grew up, that praise was uh, or is a response to something that God has Done, and worship is a response to who God is praise is is thanking God for the thing that you have while worship is a response to who God is, thanking God for the fact that God is when you don 't have praise is that elementary reflex um, that we used because we were taught to say please and thank you. But worship is what we offer to God when we have nothing to be thankful for. It is wound up, bound up in the character of God, in the person of God, and not in the actions of God. Now nobody will split what God is from what God does. But when God doesn't do anything, when God doesn't provide rescue, when God doesn't change you, God is unchanged. And worship is the response to who God is. It is that mature response to God even when God doesn't look good. So it is is an act that is connected to our feelings on the one hand because there is joy when we worship, but it is also an act that is connected to something greater than how we feel. Worship centers not on us, but on God. It centers on God as our focus. So this morning, I want you to hear me say that worship is the fitting response, the only appropriate response for God's people when we gather for worship. I've been in court once in my life. Um, I I, I didn't want to go then. um, And uh, uh, I was responding to a police officer giving me a ticket. I had to go to court, get my license back. And I told my, my wife this story once. I, before I went to court, I uh, went to a banquet. And I was sitting at the table. I was, I was younger, I was 16 or 17 years old. Can I sit here, Grace? It's okay. And uh, I had a banquet, uh, and there happens to be a judge at this banquet who I know. And I'm talking to him, you know, about what he does. He was new at the time uh, to this. And he was saying something like, you know, all new judges have to kind of rotate around uh, and do the grunt work of judging. And, uh, and so I said, oh, that's interesting. You know, I got a ticket the other day. You know, and he's like, oh, that's interesting. And, uh, and so we kind of end, you know, there's this banquet. So we kind of end. And he says, you know, if you, if you come in my courtroom, you know, I'll say Hello. I'm like great, um, uh, so so I I I come to court this day, and lo and behold, I'm in this guy's courtroom. So my attitude brightens up, you know, it brightens up, and uh, and I notice this is the point, and then I'll get back to the story. I notice that the bailiff is walking down the aisle, telling people to close their books. You can't read in the courtroom. Telling people to stand up when the you know the judge enters or exits. And I've never seen on television or in that one time, and I suppose some of you have been to court more than me. Maybe you have more tickets than I do. Um, I've never seen a bailiff tell people to stand up in a court and they stay seated. I don't know what happens. There are a couple of attorneys in our church who probably can shout out what happens if you stay seated when a bailiff says, you probably get thrown in jail. Um, but, but, But you've never seen someone say, the judge is here stand up, and you stay seated. Now let's get back to the story, then I'll get back to the point. I show up for court, and uh, he's in his in seat. I'm like, this is great. I don't know how this is going to end, but this is exciting. The short of it is, the line goes up on this side, all in a line. He calls me up, and he says, I don't even remember what it's called. It wasn't probation, but it, it was something they gave you for some amount of time. It wasn't a ticket. You didn't have to pay, but you couldn't get in trouble after that supervision. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. This has happened to you before, huh, Sven? Yeah, many times. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's not happening to Dan. It's happening to Finn. Okay. I got supervision. And I, I, mean, it was the best, you know, I didn't even have to wait in line. He saw me, said, Mr. Washington. Yes. Walk up, gives my license. You have state supervision. Anyway, that's a side note. It's a fun story for some of you. You can check back out now because the story's over. Um, You've never seen a bailiff say stand up because the court is in session and people stay seated. Doesn't happen when presidents come in or when heads of state come in because their presence is an indicator that they are to be respected. They are to be responded to and responding in that case means standing. It means honoring them in some way. It means paying them the homage that is due to them. And this morning, I want you to think about God. I'm talking about worship. I'm talking about our congregation, mostly. I'm talking about us as a people. And I want you to think with me about the God who made us. God who is loving, but God who is also firm. God who is gentle, but who also is powerful. God who is invitational, but God who also expects all of creation to do what he has created creation to do. Think with me about God who hears and sees the earth spinning on an axis that naturally gives glory. Think with me for a moment, church, about God who waits for all that has been made to give him praise. Now, now, now it's one thing for us to think about God as, as smiling and enjoying while we worship. It's another thing to think about God expecting us to worship. And sometimes I think the image of God that we come with is is one where God is smiling and where God is casual and where God even is careless about what we do. And it's another image altogether to have an image of God where God is expecting you to stand when the presence of God enters the room. Where God is expecting you to respond and to act and to do something, to be something because God is here. And I wonder if rather than thinking about God enjoying our worship when we worship, it would be helpful for us as a church to imagine God frowning when we didn't. I wonder if because worship is a response to God, it would be helpful for us to imagine God leaning over, saying, I I expect Your praise. I expect your glory. I expect your surrender. I expect you to give me all of you. In some ways, uh, that, is, that is what we say when we gather for worship. We say, God, you are in control of us, so we give you our lives. We belong to you. We were created by you for you. And that's also why worship is evangelistic, because worship is the only time where we gather together as the people of God one week after the other, and we remind ourselves, our lives, and people who don't know God that there is a God who is worthy of our worship, that we respond to that God and when somebody who doesn't know that God sees you anchoring your life, focusing your life not on your circumstances but on your Savior, that's attractive. And worship is an evangelistic response so that when I see you doing that, when I see you anchoring your life, In something deeper than whether you got the job or something deeper than whether you had to move out of that apartment and go to another neighborhood or something deeper than, you know, you didn't get the promotion that you needed or you didn't get the job that you needed. When I see you as a person who doesn't know God, anchoring your life, surrendering yourself, praising God, even though you don't have, I can't help but wonder what's to that God. Is it true that God is really worthy when your life looks the way it does. Worship is a response to God. It is our fitting response to God. Some of you, some of you serve in um, our church and you enable us to worship You you afford us an opportunity to come in the sanctuary and to worship God, to sing together, to hear and to do and to be a worshiping community. And what you are doing when you serve is you are responding to God and helping a congregation respond to a God who is great. Great. You are serving and helping us to respond to a God who is not only great, but who is greater than everything we go through before we get to Sunday. And you're enabling us to say again that God is worthy. Despite what happens before we gather together, God is worthy. And there's no better statement. There's no more centering a statement than you and I as God's people gathering together. So worship is something that we were created for. Worship is a response to God. My last last point this morning is that worship reminds us, and this in some ways is a portion B to this last point, reminds us who is God and who is not. Worship is the event on our calendar where we come around and we remind ourselves that the God who is in control of our times is not our times. That God who is the one superintending all that we see is not. All that we see, we worship so that by the the nature and the structure of gathering together, singing, hearing the scriptures, praying together, sharing over the word of God, that we by that very nature say that there is a God who is in control and it is not me. It is not my situation. It is not my problems. It is not the junk in my life. But it is the God who is worthy of me bowing down. It is the God who is worthy of me prostrating myself. It is the God who is worthy. I I mentioned a a quote from John Calvin earlier. Calvin said that we worship when we get the character of God right. He said we worship as the church when we conceive of the character in which God is manifested. Think about that. If you see God rightly you worship. If you don't see God, you see everything else as God. If you in your life don't image God well, everything else seems to sit in God's place. That's why our lives fall apart when everything falls apart because everything else is the God in our lives. But when things fall apart and we see God as the unmovable, unshakable God, when all that you have gone through throughout the week and some of your stories and your life's experiences make me make me blush as your pastor as i hear what you're living through. <coughs> excuse me what you're living through what what you are actively living in your life is the truth that your monday your tuesday your thursday your saturday does not change the fact that god is god and all of that other stuff is not Worship is the church's vocation. It is the church's job. It is what we do to remind ourselves of who God is. That whatever the world offers, if we can talk about the world, if we can talk about a worshiping community in the presence of the world, we can talk about how the world offers things and that competes for God's place in our lives, what the world offers and esteems has to come before the living God in our worship. And we either say, That all that the world offers is true and is God. Or we say, no, the real God is the God who created, who redeems, and who keeps all that we see. I want to say this, and I want to try to be sensitive when I say this. Um, And Pastor Peter led into this last week when he was preaching... Um, the, the church gathers for God. That we, we come here for God. So if, if we gather for God, if our primary purpose is for God, it doesn't matter whether you walk away from worship. Feeling better. It doesn't matter whether I walk away from worship um, feeling encouraged. Now, now that this 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 observation really stands in stands in opposition to my background in some ways. So my theology of worship is one that rubs up against my upbringing because a part of the church's role where I come from and where I come out of is to do the opposite. It is to ensure that you walk away from the ark, from the church, from the, from the people of God with a power and a passion and an encouragement and an energy. But if that happens, that is always secondary. If you walk away feeling better, if you walk away having met someone who you didn't know, if you walk away feeling like new community is a church where you can get connected, as important as that is, it is secondary. What matters first and what matters most is what you give when you come here. So, so I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to get connected and to serve, and I'll never speak against that, but I want you to do that second. And, 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 and before you find yourself saying, well, you know, I went there on that Sunday and I just didn't feel right, I just didn't fit in, can, can, I, can I ask you to challenge that reaction to this first reaction, and that is, did I do my job as the church when I showed up? Did did I embody my vocation to be a worshiper? Was I able to do what I was there to do as a part of God's people and that is to respond to God? Was I able to do that? Because that's what matters more than whether or not all these other things come up. The psalmist says, all that I am, let all that I am Praise the Lord. Let all that I am worship God. And after pointing to all that God has done, he closes this musical number with an invitation for us to simply praise the Lord. Your heads this morning, and I I, I want you uh, to to think for a moment about why it is, and I've I've given these two three points about why we worship, but I want you to take a minute or two to to bring before God why you worship, why you come here for worship service, why you gather here. I want you to lay that on your hands, to to lay that on your lap as you sit, and just to sit with that before God and to hear God uh, over the next moment or two. Holy Spirit, uh, we, we come here uh, for many reasons and, and, and maybe, maybe locked up in the many reasons that you're hearing about are uh, reasons that I'm talking about resonating with my sisters and brothers. But I, but I pray, God, that uh, before and after all that we do, you would give us glimpses of God, that you would give us opportunities to see you and to respond to what we see. God, where our images of you are distorted, whether, or, or where our images of you are colored by bad experiences that lead us to an opinion and a belief that are not true. Would you, would you heal us so that we can see you well, so that we can imagine you well, so that we can come uh, from worship week after week, meeting after meeting, seeing you clearer. Place within us a value to worship you, to do what this psalm is talking about, to Praise you to, to, to force our feelings to do truth. And that is to say that you are worthy. That you're praiseworthy. That you are worthy to be exalted above everything. You alone are God. You alone are faithful. You alone are mighty So as your church, as your church, we respond to that truth. This morning, church, Steve and our worship team is going to lead us in this response song. Be led and sing this morning. church this week, I, I, I want to send you forth um, with, with, the, with the encouragement to this week, to, to every day this week, for you to, to push your eyes to see God and to respond to God. I'm not going to ask you not to look at your life, not to look at the the circumstances around you and to look at the day-to-day stuff. But I'm going to send you forth this morning and say to you, as the church of God, new community, open your eyes to see where God is and how you can respond to Him. Where you can look at your life and say that God is in control and I will worship Him because of it. So as you go, Go hearing that God alone is holy, that God alone is righteous, and that you, as a follower of Jesus, have a response to give. See you next week. Take care.